Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Are you two valley girls? I cannot listen to your lazy manner of speaking. I thought this would be a great podcast, but I can't stomach the voices. A voice coach would be helpful. <laughs> I love I, it. Look, I, I actually think she ain't wrong. ten year I think ten year old me would find the Valley Girl comment a compliment. I would love it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I wonder what she means by that. Lazy manner of speaking, I I I get. That's true. Valley girl. I haven't heard Valley Girl yet. Interesting. Love the, the feedback. Best. Oh my a god. Voice coach. To do what? Yeah. Doesn't change. Well, I guess if we have a lazy manner of speaking. I don't know. Whatever. Then move along. How many times <laughs> do you have to tell people to move along? <laughs> Look, we're not gonna be for everyone. But hey, to those <laughs> who do like us, hey. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, blessed. People are the worst. Apparently we're the worst. So we're the worst. That's okay. I That's love okay. it. I love it too. So much. Patreon shout outs, Leslie and Lena. Welcome. Leslie Golden is our cousin actually. So, Hey, and she hey, wants girl. to shout out the rest of the Quinn cousins. <laughs> hey fam. <laughs> hey fam. What's up? Thanks for your support. Thanks for, you know, telling us you love it. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, another custom shout outs, um, from Janelle Coy. I would like to custom shout out to be for my daughters, Emily Sparnell and Sparnell and Jessica Waters, my identical twin, true crime loving daughters. They're like <gasps> us. Oh my God. Emily. Wait, Emily and, and Jessica? Jessica. Yeah. You know, hey. everyone accidentally calls me Jessica. What? Yeah. Everyone. If they don't, no. yeah. They think Rebecca and Jessica, I guess, or it sounds similar, but everyone who doesn't personally know me is like, what's your name, Jessica? I'm like, everyone thinks that. No, Rebecca. That's anyway, y'all are like us. Hey, how far apart are y'all? Are your social security numbers one number off like ours? Yes, of um, course, I'm sure. What else? What other questions do you get? Can you read each other's minds? Do yeah. you think if one bad thing were happening to one of y'all, would the other one feel it? What else? Yeah. What other you questions? All the, all the twin questions we're going to project onto you. Yeah. Have you ever switched classes? Yeah. Have you ever switched boyfriends? What's so weird? I'm like, ew, gross. No, disgusting. Sick. Well, I can just get right into this, I think, unless you had anything else. No, okay. I don't think. We get to see each other in four days. Ooh, ooh. That's right. I, I get to meet that four. baby. Yeah, that's right. Fine. Can't wait. Oh my God, I cannot wait. Mm. Today, I am telling you about Sabrina Koda and Usam Mudini. He goes by Sam. Okay. Sources. I found this on Coffeehouse Crime on YouTube. Um, New Zealand Herald, the actual case file, New York Times, The Mirror, and a documentary that I don't want to say yet. I don't want to say the name yet. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you at the end. Okay. Sabrina Koda was born in 1983 in Algeria, but she grew up in Paris. And when she was 18, she met fellow French Algerian named Sam Moudini. That's awesome. I know. He was five years older than her. And in 2005, at age 22... Sabrina got a job as an au pair in London, and Sam followed her, working as a financial analyst at a French bank. Oh. Right. Mm -hmm. They lived together in Southfields, London, which is a suburb in Wimbledon, and they did very well for themselves, renting a flat that was valued at 900,000 pounds, so a million dollars USD, 
paid for by Sam. They were a cute young new couple in the neighborhood. They were chic. She actually. Oh, they, so they started dating. I, I thought they were just friends. No, no. They. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they started dating. Okay. She was eighteen, and he was twenty-three. Yeah. And then they dated for like five years, and at age twenty-two, she gets a job in London. He goes with her. Uh, if you said that, I'm really sorry. No, I didn't. Probably. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. What year is it? It's two thousand five. All right, She's I'm 22. Here. I'm in it. He's 27 at this point. 22, 27, coming at you. And they live in a suburb of Wimbledon, paid for by Sam. Again, it's a million-dollar valued home. They were the cute young couple in the neighborhood. They were chic. She actually um, got told a lot she looked like a Kardashian. So, oh, okay. Just to give you a visual. Uh-huh. Rachel's just so sick of the Kardashian look. <laughs> well, I'm, I was literally just thinking, if it's 2005, she looked like a Kardashian before every single fucking person on Instagram looked like a Kardashian. That's true. Yeah. So that's good for her. That's great. But now I'm like, can everyone chill? Yeah, it's chill? very natural. She's naturally very attractive. Yeah. So everyone else, chill on the Kardashian look. Right. Instagram famous, you know, people. I'm mm -hmm. real sick of seeing it. Right. <laughs> I'll right. say it right there. Same. I'm, I bet, I mean, a lot of people are. So he was 27 at this point, and her being younger and never really being single, she started cheating on him. Uh-oh. Sometimes even with his friends. Ooh. I know. I mean, 18 is really young to meet the man you'll marry, so I guess she's kind of sow sowing her wild oats. Mm -hmm. But she would leave him for other men regularly, and he was wrapped around her finger, so he just waited for her to come home. Needless to say, this was a very turbulent relationship, that carried on for years. He was funding her expensive lifestyle and she was essentially treating him like shit, but he didn't have enough confidence to break up with her, so he stayed. Oh. And in 2010, she got pregnant with his baby and things were looking up for them for a short, per short period, but obviously that didn't last too long and she again started cheating on him and they eventually did break up. Mm -hmm. In 2011, Sabrina was at a NatWest bank in London when she saw Mark Walton walk in. Now, Mark is the founding member of Irish boy band Boyzone, who apparently <laughs> were pretty big in their prime. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They started in 1993. They broke up in 1999, but they got back together in 2007. They had six number one singles and sold more than 25 million records with hits such as Words and You Needed Me. Uh-huh. I've never heard of them, neither of you. But no. They, they were pretty big. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ireland, I love you. And after this batshit story takes place, Mark becomes a record producer who works alongside Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez. So he's thriving. Oh, damn. Yeah, he's thriving till this day. Okay, good. Um, so did they have their baby? Oh, Sam and um, yeah, yeah. Okay, don't worry. He well, you said they broke up. I didn't know if they broke up while she was pregnant after the baby came, but it probably doesn't matter if you didn't say it. Nah, story. Okay. When Mark walked into the bank, he asked the teller who that woman was in front of him. And she said, that's weird. She just asked me the same thing about you. So the teller actually introduced them. <laughs> oh my God. That is epic. Funny. Yeah. No. He said it was love at first sight. She was five, eight and beautiful and had a soft French accent. And he said, when she smiled, he literally melted quote. I'm like, you're Aww. misusing the word literally, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you, you didn't, didn't literally you did melt. not literally melt. No. But they started talking and hit it off. And this was actually perfect for her 
because she was an aspiring fashion designer and dreamed of being famous or being in that scene, if you will. She loves celebrities. Mm -hmm. The guy on um, Coffeehouse Crime actually said she wanted to be famous or known for the work she did despite not being good at anything. (laughs) (laughs) Ruthless. She was before her time. Yeah. She invited him to meet her that night, which he thought was a date, but when he arrived, there were 11 other men there, and it turned out to be a sales pitch to some pyramid scheme she was a part of, selling phone lines. Wait, he, that was his date? Yeah, yeah. she invited him to come meet her that night, and he was under the impression, like, oh, okay, I got a date. She asked me out. Oh, she did it. Yeah. When he got there, there was 11 men there, and it was just a sales pitch. For some and pyramid scheme. She, she was giving the pitch though. Yeah. She was selling phone lines. Mm-mm. Several, phone lines. Yeah. Some weird ass shit. Several of the guys left immediately, but he stayed because he was intrigued by her. Which I'm like, you were? Oh I would have been out of there. Yeah. Like, that, that, you were still hooked after that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Bye bye. He did end up buying into the scheme to help her out. And this started his courtship. At the time, he was managing boy band Blue, another boy band I don't know about. Yes. And building his successful career and was living in Notting Hill. But in early 2012, after five or six months of dating, he moved into her flat and started paying her rent. No idea why she didn't move into his place in Notting Hill. I imagine it was pretty nice given his success and fame, but whatever. They hired nannies to help raise her son, but Sabrina was so sure that Mark was sleeping with them and even set up cameras to catch them. But was unsuccessful because turns out he was not cheating. Yeah. She was convinced of this. So she would fire one, hire another. And all in all, they went through about four nannies. One day, he actually found pictures of her and another man. And when he asked her about it, she yelled at him for being controlling. She eventually turned physical and had violent mood swings, once even throwing a large glass ashtray at him during a fight. She also punched him in the face while he was asleep for snoring. Oh, God. She's becoming unhinged very quickly. Sucker punch, indeed. Yeah. And you'll see this sounds very similar to the Alex Skeel and Jordan Worth, but it, it's different. I Trust. was thinking that. It is weird. They're both London. Punching both- in the face while asleep. Did that happen in the Alex Skeel case? I remember that. Yeah. that's well, That and um, scolding hot water being poured on them. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't like that. No, no, no one does. No one should. He certainly didn't. Sure. So Mark would travel a lot for work. And when he came home, she was sweet and said that there was a vulnerable side to her. And she told him that she had a rough childhood being raped by two uncles. So he wanted to take care of her. It's like the whole fix you complex. Mm -hmm. And he later described her as as glamorous as she was manipulative, which is dead on. Mm hmm. But he had that same mentality that most victims have. They show a glimpse of their good side and it gives them hope that everything will go back to normal. You know, you know the drill. Sure. I can't wait to Google her. After 14 months together, she became pregnant and he was actually thrilled. But after a few months, she went back to France to visit her sick mother and called him and said, the baby died. I had a miscarriage. Get on with your life and hung up on him. Whoa. Uh-huh. Mark was obviously devastated. But when he talked to Sabrina's brother, he said that was a lie. The baby is alive. And it's true. She actually had a baby. Oh, okay. Knowing this, Mark kept paying her way, assuming the baby was his. But all he wanted was a paternity test to prove it. And she refused to do that. So he actually ended up moving to Los Angeles. 
And after a few months of sending her thousands of dollars, he stopped until a paternity test was done. This really pissed her off and she really started to unravel. She contacted some of his biggest clients and international music stars, telling him that he was a pedophile. She even called the police to say he had been sexually abusing their cat. But the thing is, they didn't have nor ever own a cat. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But they questioned the cat and the cat said it was consensual. <laughs> the cat said they were in a monogamous relationship and there's nothing to she worry about. She was in love. <laughs> she was in love with them. <laughs> they never had a cat. It's just so weird. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that is so weird. Mm-hmm. And mind you, she dumped him. So I don't know why the attitude. And the bestiality allegations. I know. For a cat that they didn't even own. That's what I don't get about this whole behavior. But this is just tip of the iceberg, my God. (laughs) I didn't expect that one to be so funny. I don't know (laughs) why. It's just like, and you didn't even have a cat? No. It's just, I don't know why that's funny to me. We can laugh at a a fictional cat. Can't we? I was just going to say, are we? No, we can laugh at a fictional cat. Their cat didn't exist. There's no cat. And there's no rape of a cat. In existence, and there's no sexual assault of the feline. (laughs) So it's imaginary. It's like the family guy when Peter's doing something to a teenager. I forget what it is, but he looks at the camera and says, relax, we're a cartoon. It's not real. Yeah. If it were real, we wouldn't laugh about it. Okay? Let's continue talking about it. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. She gets back together with Sam because he is a spineless sucker. And they were really, I'm sorry. Talk about Sam like that. Oh, okay. Where's he been the whole time? Who knows? Is he involved in their kid's life? Yeah. Or she doesn't let him. Oh, okay, good. No, yeah, yeah. They get back together and they're, he's raising his own kid with her and Mark Walton's alleged kid. And they were becoming a part of that scene that Sabrina had always dreamed of. They would go to London and Paris Fashion Week every year, attend celeb parties. It was it was her dream life. Why? Because of her connection to Mark Walton? I guess that, that was her foot famous. in the door. Yeah. yeah. She just started making a name for herself through that. Okay. And she was, well, I read a few things that she made it as a fashion designer, and then she was a self-proclaimed fashion designer. I'm like, no, I, I couldn't find anything of like, I want to see what she's designed. Yeah. I mean, Give me an example. One shirt. Yeah, give me a garment. So whatever. But she said she did start making a name for herself and attended all those A-list parties. But she was still very fixated on Mark, even telling police that Mark snuck into their flat to extract Sam's semen while he was sleeping. How so? How would one do that? I mean, come on. No idea. All in all, she calls the police 30 times on him. Mind you, again, he is still in LA and they check his passport and he hasn't been back to London. So they're like, Okay, cops, stop calling. Bye. Yeah. Like, what can we, what are you talking about? Right. She would make several accusations that he would se- he'd be sexually abusing her children and even takes his picture to a local store owner who she'd become kind of chummy with and told him to be on the lookout for Mark and that he's extremely dangerous. And oh even the God. store owner's like, okay. Yeah. I'll and he's like, have you called people. the police? And she's like, yeah, several times. They won't listen. He's like, I don't know. That seems weird. Mm-hmm. She set up a fake Facebook account to post defamatory comments about him being a pedophile. Like, why at this point, why even make it fake? 
we, we know who's behind it. Yeah. Everyone knows who's behind it. Come on. Yeah. You're setting ex-girlfriends back light years. Oh my God. Please cut it out. And she has a, she's back together with Sam. Sam. Yeah. What does she care? It's, this is, it's such a bizarre story. When Sabrina's youngest child was five months old, she and Sam decided to put an ad in the newspaper for an au pair. One real requirement was that they would like her to speak French. Makes sense. They're from there. Sure. Enter Sophie Lyonnais. Sophie was a quiet, very shy 21-year-old from a small village in France who heard about the opportunity from a friend of a friend type of thing. I think it was a friend of a friend of Sabrina's brother, actually. Ooh, okay. So this was the perfect scenario for Sophie because she really wanted to get out of her small town and really wanted to better her English. So she was sold on this. And just a few days after her birthday, in January 2016, she moved permanently in with Sabrina and Sam in the Southfields area of London. It was her first job, and she was only getting paid 50 pounds a week. That is $60 a week for two kids in a very expensive city. And I know rent, living expenses free are free, but my God. You couldn't go to the grocery store on that, even in 2016. Come on. No. And I... Look, my first job, I was scared to negotiate, which is why I accepted $12 an hour living in an expensive city. But $60 a week is $12 a day for a normal five-day work week, which she didn't even have. She was forced to work 80 hours. No. Uh Uh-huh. And in a lot of places, au pairs have like strict guidelines about working hours and pay. So this would be illegal as shit. But in Great Britain, isn't one of those. So unfair working conditions really fly under the radar there. I think it's because, really? it, yeah, I think it's because au pairs come from all over the place. So it's really hard to monitor and keep track of, according to this documentary. Yeah. On top of that, she constantly calls Sophie lazy and accuses her of stealing jewelry and money from them. And as punishment, they begin restricting food from her. And while she had to cook all the meals for the family, she was not permitted to eat it and was kept <laughs> in isolation in a small dark room, only allowed to leave the, to use the bathroom. Oh, she's being held hostage. Mm-hmm. This is quickly turning into a hostage situation. That's a dicey game to be playing with someone who's watching your kids. Right. Get them hungry and angry. That's what you should do. Right. To take care of your five-month-old. Yeah. Ballsy oh, move. Ballsy. They also took her wallet and passport, so she couldn't go anywhere. Oh, it's literally hostage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God. It's escalating quickly. Sophie kept in touch with her parents, but for whatever reason, she didn't tell them the extent of how bad it was. She eventually does, but we'll get there. I guess she just didn't want them to worry. Mind you, Sabrina's newfound liking for abuse didn't stray her away from her hate campaign against Mark. Oh, gosh. I was scared she was getting distracted. (laughs) No, no, no. Nothing can take her away from this one. God. In fact, this is when her delusion took a very dangerous turn. She started believing that Sophie wasn't an au pair at all, but she was a spy Mark hired to watch her and abuse her children. Oh. Mm -hmm. So to Sabrina, this is what the scenario is. Mark and Sophie were having an affair, and they were in cahoots in some pedophile ring, and Sabrina's children were the subjects of it. Oh, no. Not only have Sophie and Mark never met, but despite his fame, Sophie had never heard of Mark Walton. She doesn't know who he is. Right. I have so many questions. So in Sabrina's delusion, in her mind, the scenario that's taking place 
yeah, she's pay- she found this woman. It's not like Mark said, hey, I have an au pair for you. She found this woman mm-hmm. and hired her and yeah. is paying her. But right. she's abusing your kids, so kick her out. That's what it, nothing makes sense or coming from a brain, a logical brain. But I'm like, if you truly believe this, why are you making her be the sole caretaker for your two kids? Yeah. Get out of there. Bizarre. It makes me think she doesn't really believe this. She just needs an outlet for her anger towards Mark. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. In August, 2017, Sabrina contacted police and said Sophie had taken one of her kids to see Mark in LA. She doesn't have a passport. passport. Right. (laughs) In L.A. without a passport, I guess. And he said he was planning to kill Sabrina and her family. She even dragged Sophie to the police station to confess this. But police dismissed the allegations given the lack of evidence. And I would hope cops would pull Sophie in a room alone to be like, what's going on at home? Are you safe? What the hell's going on? But I couldn't find details of this incident beyond that. So I'm not sure if they did or maybe they did and she played it off out of fear. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sabrina and Sam began interrogating Sophie for hours. So Sam's now buying into this. Sam's in it? Oh, God. They interrogate her for hours, and she's slapped, waterboarded. What? Hit with an electrical cable and beaten so badly that she has five fractured ribs and a cracked breastbone from how many times they kicked her. Ow. It's, I mean, it's escalating so quickly. Oh, God. They videotaped eight hours of this in an effort to get Sophie to confess and implicate Mark. And remember, he is still in L.A., completely unaware. He thinks Sabrina moved on with Sam and that's it. Life goes on. So unaware of this. He doesn't even know about, like, the Facebook posts and all the pedophile stuff. Uh, I think the Facebook posts died down. And, yeah, he probably saw him and was like, okay, whatever, Sabrina. Okay. Like, What is someone in London? He's now a resident of L.A. They're like, this isn't... This is far out of our jurisdiction. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to tell you. Apparently, the recordings themselves are too graphic to be released, but the transcripts were. And I read some of them, and they're awful and extremely weird. Sabrina says every time Sophie comes into the house, she smells like sex. And Sam's like, yeah, she smells sex, Sophie. Like her damn hype man. Oh, God. And it's a lot of them yelling for Sophie to confess that they sell children and demanding to know where Mark's house is. And how Sophie's going to get 40 years in prison for being such a monster. And Sabrina sees all the spies watching her. Sophie contributes very little because when she denies it, she's beaten. So she just doesn't say anything except in a quivering voice that she's scared. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Sabrina says, why are you scared? I was very, very, very nice to you. Which I found so interesting <gasps> since we learned in Stacey Pinnell episode that saying three varies in a row indicates a lie. Yeah. So she was not very, very nice to her. Ooh, okay. Mm. Then she keeps saying shit like that, saying, I was very, 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 very nice to you. You lie as you breathe. It's like weird shit. Um, fire her then. I don't understand what the this situation is. And that's well, my I don't tangent. Know. That was my next tangent. Being like, okay, clearly Sabrina is mentally ill. Yeah. But how did she convince Sam of these delusions, first and foremost? He seemed to have a pretty good head on his shoulders, aside from being spineless, which maybe that was just it. But if you're mentally stable, at what point do you sit your significant other down and say like, okay, we need to stop waterboarding the nanny? Yeah. And perhaps if we don't like her, let's just let her go. Right. So I dug into this and there is, and the documentary does too, there's a rare condition called foliadur, 
where two people share a mental disorder and experience the same delusion at the same time. And that's what a lot of experts say that they had a shared psychosis, but mm -hmm. others diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder. And he was just a weak, willing participant. So who knows, but uh, Bailey, you just let us know. I think it's the latter. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Cause they didn't know. find any psychosis with them after testing. Oh my God. And yeah, I'm speaking from a place of logic, but if you are actually convinced of this, your nanny is a pedophile abusing your children. Well, I don't get it. Why are you so, why are you forcing her to work 80 hours a week taking care of them? Yeah. Alone. Uh -uh. Again, it's... it just makes me think she doesn't believe it, but every professional interview and court documents say she genuinely believed this was happening. I'm like, okay. so weird. I know. It's hard to wrap my mind around. Sure. But anyway, this recorded torture for information happens for 12 days straight, hours and hours a day. She's beaten so badly she can't walk or stand. They dunk her head underwater and lift it up for a second so she gets one breath and then puts her back under. Oh, God. I mean, it's, they just terrorize her. They make her sign a written confession of all her, quote, crimes all of which are written in English. So she really doesn't know what she's signing, but she just does it. My God, obviously she's at their mercy. I would too. Mm -hmm. During the very few breaks of abuse, Sophie did get a chance to write her parents to ask for help. And they sent her a plane ticket to come home, which Sabrina intervened and confiscated. What? I read even Sophie's mom called Sabrina and begged her to let her go. And Sabrina says, no. I'm like, but where? And not blaming. I just don't understand why the cops weren't called right here like now this is a hostage situation i mean right i think sophie said something i mean sabrina said something like we have a contract in place and she's i'm not abusing her it's just she doesn't like working crap yeah she's like mm, i know my daughter and this doesn't sound good yeah i don't know okay. if the cops weren't called i would think they could at least do a wellness check even if she is an adult but nothing was done for some reason i don't know yeah then september 18th 2017 after a session of waterboarding her, Sophie gives them everything they want. This is the end of the 12 days. And she's like, here, she says, it's all true. Her and Mark Walton are having an affair. She'll put it in writing. She'll do whatever they want. But her plan very sadly backfired because once she falsely confesses to this, they drag her into the bathtub, beat her and force her head underwater to drown her. No, mm -hmm. no. Sam is not just like a willing participant who's, actually mentally stable he's just weak and does whatever his wife or girlfriend says to do that this is like beyond right it's insane oh you said, wait you said he is weak you said you believe that he is weak or no beyond I, it's beyond that there's no way someone mentally stable enough could just do what your wife says regardless and right. it result in murder like no there's something off with you too i know it's bizarre Obviously. no i can't i know so they drown her in the bathtub and then they have sex just a few feet away from her body. The fuck? I know. And on September 20th, 2017, two days of living with Sophie's body in the bathtub, neighbors called the fire department after seeing a bonfire coming from Sabrina and Sam's place that appeared to be getting out of hand. When the fire department gets there, they see that Sam has a small barbecue next to the bonfire with chicken on it. And he says that roasting the chicken is the reason for the large amounts of smoke being reported. Uh-oh. And they're all, or it's this insane wildfire you have right here next to it. Oh my God. What are talking about? They extinguish the fire and find a pair of eyeglasses and what they believe is a finger 
Oh, no. To which Sam explains it was a full sheep they were burning. With fingers? Uh Uh-huh. With human-like features and poor eyesight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Glasses? Uh Oh, my God. They're all, sure, Jan. And they call the police, who thought it was a child in the fire because she was so emaciated. Oh. And there's a picture of Sophie two days before her murder, and she's- It's haunting. It's uh-uh. she's a skeleton. Nope. You know, you have to see it. Oh God. I'll post it. Everyone has to see it. It's her story. Aww. It's the first image that will come up on Google because it's just it's so sad. When they determined it was Sophie, they found her cheekbone and jaw were broken and her skull was cracked. There was also blood found in both nostrils as a result of a blow or punch to the head. Sam and Sabrina are arrested immediately, and to no surprise, Sabrina turns on Sam. Says it was all him, and she came totally. home on the 20th, and Sam had murdered Sophie. Sam initially took blame for this and said it was an accident. He was merely holding her head underwater to get information about Mark, but when she wouldn't fess up, he punched her in the face, and it knocked her out, and her head went underwater. But he, quote, didn't mean to kill her or cause serious bodily injury. Wait. And don't hold her head underwater or punch her in the face. That's his defense? Yes. But once he heard Sabrina was turning on him, he changed his tune. Of course. Oh, my God. And he said he was actually asleep and Sabrina was the one who killed her. And he tried to and then he woke she woke him up and he tried to revive her, but wasn't successful. And he didn't want to call 999 because that that would mean he would have to stop CPR attempts. And he didn't want to do that. Luckily, the interrogations they recorded were used as evidence of what lunatics they were. And they were both found guilty and received a life sentence with a minimum term of 30 years. And get this, Sabrina asked to be put in a psychiatric facility instead because she wasn't sure she'd be able to adapt to prison life. Well, yeah, you and everyone else who gets a life sentence smacked Yeah, Yeah, most people I'm sure are afraid of that. Right. Who gets a prison sentence and says, this is... That makes sense. Yeah, this is the right living situation for me. I mean... These people are clowns. Yeah. Mark Walton attended the trial and said, when I saw that picture of Sophie, the one two days before the murder, and how scared and vulnerable and haunted she looks, and to think she was tortured because of me, that haunts me. The poor girl was telling the truth. She had never met me, and yet she paid with her life because of those psychopaths. It's heartbreaking to me that she would suffer so much because of me. I would love to reach out to her parents. During the trial, it didn't seem appropriate to do so, but I want them to know that Their daughter is always in my prayers. I think about her every day. I want them to know I carry her picture around with me in my wallet till this day he does. Oh, my God. I will never forget her. We never met, but I'll always pray for her and her parents. This case has shaken me to my core. I never drank, but now I need two glasses of wine to get to sleep. I have the worst nightmares. (gasps) I know. He's very much haunted by this. Oh, my God. And he didn't even know what was happening. No. No. In 2018, Sabrina admitted finally admitted to the murder and wrote some bullshit apology letter that said, and I quote, how deeply sorry I am for what happened. In fact, we shared many good times. Sophie, I'm shocked and sad that you're not a part of this world anymore. It feels like a horrible dream to me that I wish I could wake up from. Sophie, I wish things could have been different. I'm suffering every day. Blah, 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 blah. Me, me, Uh, me, me. Zero accountability. Did she end up in jail or the psychiatric? Oh, no. They were like, buzz off. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, she's in jail. Okay. But a lot of, I'm sorry for what happened, not sorry for what I did. So I'm like, mm, 
Nope. And how sh she's shocked and saddened. Whatever. And wish things could have been different. Meaning I wish you weren't sleeping with my boyfriend, uh, my ex-boyfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish you hadn't provoked me to do this. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So totally. she's a monster. He's a monster. They're monsters. And that's the heartbreaking story of poor Sophie Leonay, who took a leap of faith by moving from her small town to a huge city where she didn't know the language. She uh -huh. just wanted to explore the world. And she happened to fall victim to these two lunatics. Psychopaths. So I wonder what happened to their kid. But we don't know what happened to the babies. No, their names aren't released. Their faces aren't released. Nothing's released. I trust that they're doing well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that documentary was called Lady Killers. I just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't want it to immediately give away that she killed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That's that, people. Thank you all for listening. You are the best. People, people are the, the worst. worst. Peace. Bye.